Welcome back to Leaders of Color, a podcast by Leading in Color. I'm your host, Sarisha Iyer. On today's episode, we are joined by three young women from the Community Climate Council. Divya Aurora is a recent Bachelor of Science graduate from the University of Waterloo. She is currently working at a transportation engineering consulting firm and will be returning to the University of Waterloo in September 2020 to pursue her master's in environmental studies, specializing in sustainability and water resource management. Divya is the co-founder of the Community Climate Council, leading the municipal relations team. Her passion for the environment arises from her compassion for animals. As such, her primary concern with the current environmental situation is the impact of human activities on wildlife and their habitats. She is interested in studying the interdisciplinary political, social, and economic frameworks for wildlife and land conservation for the preservation of the Earth's natural biodiversity. In her spare time, you can find Divya hiking on one of the many beautiful trails in and outside of the GTA with her adorable pup Max, reading health and wellness books, and studying astronomy. We are also joined by Mithila Jaganathan, who is currently studying chemistry at Ryerson University. She is passionate about advocating for marginalized individuals within STEM and is immensely passionate about healthcare, decolonization, and the environment. Her climate interests are to slowly wean her city off of single-use plastics and increase awareness about climate change in Peel region. She aspires to pursue a career in healthcare while simultaneously aiming to create a dynamic and positive change to society. In her spare time, you can find her gardening, reading books, and biking around the city of Brampton. And finally, we have Miranda Baxter. Miranda is an environmental educator with the Toronto and Region Conservation Authority and co-founder of the Community Climate Council. She completed her master's degree at York University, where her research focused on the relationship between Instagram use and biodiversity conservation. She dove into the pillars of park management, BIPOC in outdoor spaces, environmental education, and science communication. During quarantine, she has learned that her work with the council is resilient as ever, and that she can in fact cook great meals, propagate succulents, and draw digitally. She is currently illustrating a children's book on conservation and enjoys hiking in her spare time. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thanks so much for inviting us. So how have you guys been doing recently? Anything that you're currently reading or watching or listening to that you have recommended for our listeners? I'm listening to a podcast series. I wish I was listening to it during my commute to work, but it's fun listening to it in your backyard. But it's called Unlocking Us by Brene Brown. I don't know if anyone um, watched her TED Talk. It's one of like the most watched TED Talks, so I'd recommend watching it. But she basically talks about aren't the most exciting topics, but um, they're really, really interesting when she talks about them because she's been researching them for like over 20 years. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Definitely something to check out. Oh, so I've been reading a book called We Have Always Been Here by Samra Habib. And it's uh, about a young Muslim girl. Um who escaped uh, Pakistan as a refugee, and she talks about her experiences as a queer Muslim um, and how she navigates through religion and day-to-day life facing racism. I think it's just a, it's an interesting mm-hmm. read. I definitely would recommend it. Oh, awesome. Cool. Yeah, and I've started um, watching Atypical. It's a series on Netflix. It's a bit older, but it just looks at how um, a high school student with autism navigates life growing up and I just think it's so interesting and it's really funny as well it's pretty good here I'm glad you're able to 
spend some time during COVID actually breaking down and, and watching something um, or listening to something, reading something, that's great. Um, so why don't you introduce yourselves? Because for the first time, we have three of you on the podcast. I know I just read through your bios, but just so that folks have an opportunity to attach your voices to your names. Um, and tell us a little bit about your organization and what you're doing. Sure. So my name is Miranda. Um, I'm 25. I'm one of the co-founders at the Community Climate Council, and um, I'm in charge of the organizational development team. So I'm really looking towards building our structural foundation as we grow to make us a legitimate nonprofit one day. So it's super exciting um, to hopefully become an ENGO. And as of now, our vision is to empower other communities to take climate actions outside of Peel Region. And our goals are um, pretty much to just continue what we're doing, but in a larger scale with other uh, students leading it. And the mandate is pretty much to advocate for local climate action through enhancing climate literacy and political engagement and improve resilience in the Peel community. And with that said, we are youth founded and nonpartisan throughout our work. And I think that the fact that we're founded by youth is just so powerful in itself. Um, but yeah, that's a bit about what I do in the council and what the council is. That's amazing. And the reason that you're founded, or rather your background being founded by youth is the reason why we wanted you on, right? Because that's incredible work that you guys are doing. And in particular, I think in Peel region, I'm someone who I spent a little bit of time there growing up. Um, and to watch kind of the way that the demographic has changed over the years and the environment has changed over the years. I think it's really cool to especially see young women of color doing work there. So kudos well, to you guys you. for doing this. What motivated you guys to start doing this sort of work? You mentioned that you're one of the co-founders. Yeah, um, well, I was doing my master's research, as you mentioned, and I realized that there was an opportunity online to volunteer with a program called Youth Challenge International. And they were looking for climate action catalysts across the GTHA. And I thought, why not sign up and see what this is all about? Because this is pretty much the pillar of what my research was looking at. I was also able to go to Belize and Costa Rica and other places to do research. And I saw climate change affecting people firsthand. Also, before I jumped into my research, I wanted to look at coastal flooding in Guyana, because that will definitely be an issue since the coast where 90% of the population live is below sea level. So mm -hmm. there are just so many concerns globally that really propelled me to take action on climate change. And that was kind of a way to get involved. And fast forward about a year later, we've created a council because of that volunteer opportunity. So um, long story short, I guess, is conservation, number one, that was my prime reason for getting involved in climate. But the more current and second reason is because other minority groups around the world are suffering from doing very little to contribute to the impact and cause of climate change. So mm. it just doesn't seem fair. And we're in such a privileged place being in Canada to mm -hmm. provide solutions so and raise awareness. So why not? Yeah, that makes total sense to me. And it's really important work that you're doing as well. So what motivated the rest of you to join? I know, Divya, you're also a co-founder. Yeah, so I am 
a very avid outdoorist and I hate saying that because it sounds like a very generalized term but I go hiking a lot camping all of that stuff I love it so I already feel like I had a very deep connection with the natural environment in itself and then once I graduated university I was in that space where most young people find themselves about you know what do I do next Um, how can I make a difference in the work that I do and I came across the opportunity with YCI and I was more motivated by the people I met there because I met the um, this group of wonderful women who were so like-minded and were so inspiring in the work that they've already done, the work that they hope to do. We had a lot of fun brainstorming um, new ideas for bringing about change in Peel region. But then also when we actually got down to the ground and involved with the city staff, the region staff, and they were telling us about the gaps that were missing in Peel region. I think that is like, that was my call to action because as a resident, I felt like it was my responsibility now knowing about this, that I have to get involved and there's no reason why I shouldn't be the leader. I think that's an incredible decision to make, especially in terms of the commitment you want to make to your local region. How about you, Matila? Yeah, I'm also a co-founder. And the reason why I got involved with climate change and in the environment was because my father was a botanist and agriculturist. And so from a young age, um, I spent all my time outside gardening with my father. He would teach me how to check the water flow of a plot land. And as he would teach me things about gardening and how to grow your crops, he would also teach me about how certain lands um, have the, how to explain it are more susceptible to more environmental damages. And so as I got older and older, I became aware of all these social issues. And I, like, even though I am in STEM, like in a biology and chemistry aspect, I do think that um, climate change is a fundamental aspect of health because health is an intersectional concept. And that if climate change affects um, people's livelihoods and the general structure of land, it also affects the general health of the population. And so that's why I got involved with climate change and environmental justice. That's awesome. So for you, it sounds like it's intergenerational sort of passion, which I think is amazing. And I think just responding to Divya's point too, there's a quote by Maya Angelou about doing the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better to do better. And I think that's exactly what you guys are doing in Peel Region, which is awesome. So what are some of the challenges that you have faced doing this work? I think as of now, the main one, of course, is COVID-19. Um, just moving all of our campaigns, which we're going to be outdoors, you know, litter pickups, guided educational hikes and tours, um, and so many other things like Bike the Creek and et cetera. They've all moved to now digital formats. So it's a, both a blessing and a curse because we've gained so much traction in ways that we never thought that we could because we've been forced to put everything on a virtual um, stand. So now we have like campaigns such as the Camp Climate that's coming up, our podcast that was launched, a book club, a magazine, so many projects that are going on virtually. And we're still able to connect to municipal leaders locally, MPPs, et cetera. So um, yeah, I guess that's how we've overcome that challenge, but it definitely has been um, tough. It's not the same, of course, as connecting with nature in person. Yeah, that sounds like a lot to have to deal with. I know for so many people, COVID, they've been able to adapt because their work isn't necessarily about the land, about water, about the physical presence of the earth. But for you guys, that is your your core point, part of your mandate, right? And so it's a challenge that I definitely think others can appreciate as well. 
that are doing climate justice work. For sure. Are there any, are there any particular challenges um, that you've experienced as young people? Overall, we've had a positive experience when we were welcomed into settings where they wanted their opinions. They didn't seem standoffish. They were actually very understanding. They gave us a space to explain why we wanted certain things in our community and why it was so vital for us. Because um, climate change and protecting the environment is not just for our generation, but for future generations. And Mm -hmm. what they did give us was very welcoming. Um, Obviously, there's going to be a couple of people who don't agree with certain things. And they think that we're just a couple of tree huggers. But the main idea is that climate change affects everyone and no one's exempt from it, whether you're rich or poor, right? So, mm-hmm. so overall, it's been relatively good, for sure. That's really great to hear. I think that having access to certain spaces for a lot of people can be really intimidating. And so to hear that they were being very receptive to you, I think is fantastic. And I think especially when we're talking about climate justice, I think that is where people tend to listen to younger folks, which is both important, but also something that they should be doing regularly in other areas too. Yeah. So I think it's a great start to have that stuff in place. And that's great that your experience reflects that. Are there any tips that you have for other groups or other individuals doing climate work in the face of COVID-19? And and how can they overcome those similar challenges that you're facing? Yeah, well, there's something called couchivism, kind of like couch activism, which is where Mm. you can partake in activism right from home. So you can do virtual campaigns, whether it be sign petitions or send emails to your MPs about issues that you're concerned about. Um, Also supporting local organizations through donations or even if it's just following on Instagram, engaging in their posts and trying to learn more. Um, And believe it or not, there's still a lot of volunteer opportunities available out there, even though they're on a virtual landscape. So I would definitely suggest that youth look for volunteer things that they can get involved with. That way they're still building up their resume, using their skills and making a difference. We'll get to maybe some of the opportunities that are available with you guys as well later on in the show. But we've talked a little bit about the challenges. What are some of the most fulfilling things about the work that you've been doing, both pre-COVID and I guess now that we're in this weird sort of pandemic situation? Have there been any particular success stories or moments that stick out to you? And why were they fulfilling for you? One of the moments for me that was really fulfilling was when we had our last event with YCI. YCI, I don't know if we talked about this, but it's Youth Challenge International. That's how we all came together because we enrolled in their volunteer program um, for Climate Action Catalyst. And they had two cohorts. So at the end in February, when both the cohorts came together, for one big event we got to walk around for a while look at everyone's project what they were working on because we hadn't been connected all along and at the end Mm -hmm. of that they did a presentation and then they announced who the top um three i guess projects were because they had um prices for each and it wasn't a competition necessarily but it was more just to motivate other people to think on a bigger scale and we ended up being tied for first place and after walking around and seeing how amazing everyone's project were it just felt so fulfilling to stand in a room full of people who did such amazing work and be called um on first place so I think that was really great yeah that's amazing congratulations thank you so what are some of the opportunities that you guys have available with your organization for young people to get involved with? Yeah, so we have a lot going on right now. Um, It's really exciting. We just launched a zine called Epoch, and 
It's a magazine online and we're currently doing a call out for submissions. So if you have essays, drawings, poetry, comic strips, anything, definitely submit it to us through our email. Um, we're also looking for kids, anyone between, I guess, JKSK, even throughout high school, who's interested in joining our podcast called Kids Talk Climate. We're doing a segment to hear the different perspectives on different generations in Peel and what they think about it or what they know. So that's another really cool way they can get involved. And we're also doing Camp Climate. So that's super fun. You can register for our online virtual camp. We're going to have fireside chats and other activities to get involved. We also have a yoga session coming up. We usually do climate cafes on a monthly basis. And within that climate cafe, we have someone coming in to do um, a bit of a meditation slash yoga on mindfulness and the environment, which is much needed during this time, especially. So those are some ways that you can get involved on things we're already doing. And in addition to that, if you have any ideas that you think that we should jump on, feel free to shoot us an email and we're always looking for volunteers. Sounds like you have a full program slot available to young people, which I think is incredible. You mentioned that you're operating, um, we've talked about this already, but you're operating in Peel Region. Are there any cities in particular for, I guess, the post-COVID experience that you're particularly looking for people to volunteer in? I'd say um, we're mostly looking at Caledon and Brampton right now only because we don't have as many members as we'd like from Mississauga, so we don't feel like the work that we do can be an accurate representation of the issues that that city in particular faces. Although we do have um, connections that we're trying to build with, say, the Peel Environmental Youth Alliance that operates in Mississauga as well. And we're trying to get more feedback from residents of Mississauga about what their primary concerns are, but we already have residents from Brampton and Caledon, so we're more so focused on volunteer opportunities for these two cities right now, and then once we are able to get to Mississauga, then we'll be covering all of Peel region, which is the goal. Yeah, that's so true, Divya. I just thought of it. Like, PEA, the Peel Environmental Youth Alliance, they're based in Mississauga. They're our partner organization. And we've mm-hmm. also partnered with Climate Justice Peel, but they're also based in Mississauga. So I would agree with Divya that Caledon and Brampton is often where um, we have in-person events, just because there's quite a lot of focus in Mississauga already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I think diversifying the amount of space that you take up is incredibly important with this kind of work. So going into those areas that perhaps don't have the same access to the work and opportunities that you're doing is fantastic. Thank you, for sure. And also, we're planning on adopting a park in Brampton. Um, it's just for our council and our community to increase like park stewardship and um, just create this uh, circle of community care uh, by taking care of a park and also by getting your council's name spread out through the cities. That sounds really cool. What does adopting a park entail? Um, so it's, a, it's free. It's a two-year process. Uh, so it's a two-year commitment, actually where you go to the park, you clean it up, um, you take care of, like, you notice if there's any kind of different plants going. Um, and basically, everyone just works together as a community to ensure that the park is safe and clean at all times. That's awesome. Do you know any details about where your park is going to be located yet or which park it is? Uh, we haven't really decided, but we're planning. Yeah, we have, like, five options. We're yeah. still deciding. Oh, cool. Um, we're planning to yeah. have a poster <laughs> office. 
Oh, nice. That's great. And also, this would be a call out to the counselors and elected officials in Brampton, Mississauga, and Caledon to reach out to us because one of the pillars of the work that we're doing is in order to legitimize the work that we're doing and actually ensure that our work helps the community in terms of policies and programs and initiatives from our elected officials is that we want to work together with our elected officials, whether they're MPs, MPPs, um, counselors, regional counselors, or city counselors, or city staff and region staff. And we want to make sure that what's being heard from us and the feedback that we receive from the community is being incorporated and is being heard when it's time to plan policies and programs. And so um, I know there's a lot of organizations out there and this is not a, this is not um, criticism because it's really important to have champions doing different kinds of work in this field, but we're not necessarily the type who want to bash our counselors for the work that they're not doing, but rather we want to work to work with them to promote the work that they can do and the difference that we can make together. So any Peel region, city councilors, staff members, folks who work in this environment, feel free to reach out to this wonderful organization and the young women who are leading it. Where can people get in contact with you and find you? So uh, you can find us on our website, which is www.communityclimatecouncil.org. Um, you can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn as Community Council, on Instagram as Peel Climate Council, and on Twitter as Peel Climate. Okay, and so where can people donate to you and support the work that you're doing? Uh, we have a section on our website called the Donate Area, and so you can make donations if you'd like. Um, hopefully in the next six months or so, we're planning on re- releasing new merchandise. Um, and people would be able to purchase something and also make a donation at the same time. So thank you guys so much for coming on to the show. It was wonderful to hear about the work that you're doing um, in the climate area in Peel region. I think it's incredibly important work and it's really inspiring to see young women of color leading this work um, in in an area as big as Peel. Um, So thank you so much for joining us. It was really wonderful to have you. Thanks so much for highlighting us. Really appreciate it. This is awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. So before you leave, we have our closing segment on how I would end racism. So as young leaders of color, we're constantly actually trying to reduce the harm that uh, that racism causes uh, both to ourselves and our communities while we fight to end it in whatever way that is. Um, But imagine if we could do that instantly. Uh, What are some of your ways that you've come up with uh, to share what what you would do to end racism? I think before... um because of the BLM movement, I've had a lot, I've had time to learn a lot. And before I might have said something like make the whole world black and white so that people don't see color. But I realize how wrong that is now, because when you don't see color, you don't see the differences that people bring and you don't see the diversity that everyone has. Mm -hmm. Now it would just be really cool, or I guess funny, but I've noticed that my dog, he doesn't really see what color people are, but he more so just people and that's his way of knowing whether this is a good person I want to interact with or not. And it'd be mm-hmm. really cool if first interactions were based on anything other than sight. So like maybe we could touch people, maybe we could um, just sit, sniff people. And then that would be you know, our <laughs> um, understanding of what their vibe is like and whether we want to engage or not. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> just imagine doing a sniffing people. <laughs> 
that's your first intro. When we first meet in person, we're going to sniff one another. I like it. I dig. Um, you know what I would do? I would make all the colonizing countries pay back every single cent that they stole from the countries that they colonize. Yes. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> the British Museum makes so much money off stolen artifacts and mm-hmm. all the stuff they stole from people. And I'm like, give it back. That's not yours. Yeah, let's jack the corridor back. Oh my I'm God. down with this. <laughs> They're actually denying it. They're like, we never stole it. We bought it. Ugh. And bought it from whom? <laughs> I'm like, uh, oh my God. Yeah, you bought it at gunpoint. That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very practical and a solution that we can implement now if people would just listen to us. Yeah. What about you, Miranda? Um, yeah, I love both of those answers. Now I'm thinking like, well, I guess mine was like a really unrealistic one where I was thinking we can just jump into a time capsule, go back in the past, and let's just see what would happen if like colonialism just didn't happen. Like what if it just never ever happened? And somehow, eventually, different nations met on their own. Would we still have those different perceptions of each other, of better mm. or worse, or hierarchy? Or would we just say, oh, wow, this is so interesting. It would be really cool. Um, but maybe on a more optimistic note, why not jump in a time capsule and go towards the future? Because what we're seeing with the Black Lives Matter movement right now and the riots happening worldwide is obviously showing that not that things are changing, but they're being unveiled. And I think that's a mm. huge key in stopping racism. So I really think that we are moving towards it. Those are some fantastic ideas. And I hope that with some sort of, I don't know, time machine or any other creative way we could end racism, that we won't have to deal with this stuff in real life, which would be amazing. Um, but I am all for jacking the gold and the jewels back from the colonizers. <laughs> I think that is the most like realistic way we can, I know this segment is about like the um, the most interesting and creative ways that we can end racism, but let's be real, if we just take this stuff back, I'm all for it. They're not going to give it back, which is the most infuriating part. But maybe some magical fairy dust will make them do so. Who knows? But yeah, thank you guys so much again for coming on. It was great to talk to you and learn more about what you're doing in Peel Region um, and in the climate justice movement. I think it's really exciting for me personally to see a lot of young brown women doing this work in particular, um, because that's not a space that I've always been welcomed in. And so to see that you guys have done it um, and been so accomplished and also been welcomed in that space is really inspiring for me as well. So thank you for the work that you're doing. And I can't wait to see what else you come up with. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. And thank you also for creating this platform to elevate people of color's voices. It's so important too to actually recognize like, hey, we're people of color and we're in leadership positions. And otherwise, it just goes unnoticed. So thank you for what you're doing as well.